listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Hour number two of Miller and Moulton on this final Monday of February. Thanks so much for being with us. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Matt Baker, talk about a story that may be a Bruin. It's out there. Florida State kicking the tires on what would it take to either get more money from or leave the ACC entirely. Talk to him about that in an hour. But, Mark, the world nearly stopped rotating on its current access over the weekend on the southwest coast of Florida. Yes, it did, David, because they're playing baseball. Yes, and they baseball are. has new rules. Yes, it does. It has lots of them. Uh-huh. And, well, they're dealing with the new rules in spring training, and it caused nearly a catastrophe over the weekend. I nearly caused some countries to leave NATO. All right. One state to nearly secede from the Union. I, I mean, major problems. Because we got ourselves a pitch clock and rules that go along with it. Tie game, what, 3-2 count, bases loaded? 6-6, six, six, bottom of the ninth. Braves, Red Sox in Northport. Great ballpark, clock. by the way. Great it little is. ballpark. It's awesome. Awesome. Love the Braves stadium, the facility there. Easy in, easy out. Awesome. Got a nice couple of nice restaurants in the stadium, like the beer and food choices. Got a nice restaurant to 100 or so yards away. Anyway, it's 6-6. Six, six. It's bottom of the ninth. 3-2 count. And the clock is winding down. It starts at 20 with runners on base. It's under 10. It's under 8. Alex under five. All of a sudden, the pitcher's about to deliver the pitch. The clock runs out of time. Umpire comes out from behind home plate. Batter thinks he's drawn a walk because the pitcher didn't deliver the pitch in time. So that's a ball. Instead, the umpire rules the batter out because he wasn't in the box ready to go. When there were eight seconds left on the clock, and that's apparently the witching hour for a hitter. There it is, David. There it is. The pitch clock bit him right in the behind. So instead, when the hitter's not ready in time, that's a strike. It's a 3-2 count. That's strike three. Inning over. Game end 6-6. I will say, everybody from both teams stood and looked around and went, wait, wait, what? What just happened? I mean, there was no arguing. Honestly, both managers were like, so what's going on? What's the rule? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) the hitter afterwards, he was like, "Um, I I thought he didn't deliver the pitch in time. but So apparently what happened, the catcher, Midway through the 20 seconds, stood up out of his crouch. That distracted the hitter. The hitter turned, looked at the catcher, kind of like, what are you doing? 
And at that moment, the umpire looked up at the clock and there were eight seconds left. The hitter was not ready to receive the pitch because he wasn't looking out at the pitcher. And so the umpire was willing to let it play out to see what happened. But then once the pitcher also didn't deliver the pitch before the clock struck zero, he called the first violation, which was on the hitter. Call strike. Strike three. You're out. Oh, my goodness. Shut the sport down. That's it. Season canceled. <laughs> we cannot go forward with these rules. Oh, my goodness. Now we've Wait. got to figure out what the catcher's part in this is. Can he deke out the hitter? Need a U.N. Security Council meeting and everything. Manfred, Tony Clark, three managers, three players. Let's go off the... Talk this sucker out. Golly. What in the world are we going to do now? Man, all those baseball columnists, Mark, who had nothing original to write about. And on Saturday afternoon, they're given a gift for their Sunday bylines. Oh, my goodness. They were like, this is amazing. I can get this sucker pounded out and still get hit happy hour. Ah, well, you know where I am on it. I'm all in. I love it. Get your butt in the box. Let's get this sucker moving along. That's all you and I have asked for. This is very simple to to Miller and Moulton. Here's why I'm all in. Another game that was played Saturday, spring training. 16 pitchers were used. A lot of pitches. I mean, around 300 pitches in the game. Six walks, 21 strikeouts. Two guys hit by pitch. There were 18 at-bats with runners in scoring position. You know, runners in scoring position slows the game down. That spring training game with the pitch clock? I mean, can we – what do you think that game would have taken a year ago? Spring training game, 16 pitchers. Okay, 233. The game took two hours and 33 minutes for that game. Why? Pitch clock. Now, you can call it a hitter's clock because it affects them too, obviously. Here's the deal. Nobody on base, 15 seconds. 15 seconds, by the way, from the time the pitcher gets the ball back from the catcher. 15 seconds. Hitter has seven seconds to be ready to go. When the clock strikes eight, Hitter's got to be in the box, staring at the pitcher, ready to receive the pitch. Then the pitcher's got eight more seconds to deliver that pitch. He has to just at the start the windup, by the way. I mean, the pitch doesn't have to be in the glove. If he starts the windup, then the clock hits zero. You're allowed two throws over to first or steps off the mound or what have you. That's it. When there's a run, when there's a base runner, there's only two shot. Now there's no rule against pitch outs. Okay, for those that, you know, you want to see pitch outs, oh, you're going to see them this year. There's no rule against that. Now, I believe when you pitch out, they then take five seconds off the clock to, you know, throw the next pitch. So I think 20 goes to 15 again. 
But 20 seconds when there's a runner on base, 15 when there's no one on base. There will be more running. The games will be quicker. There's no doubt. The data's already there in the minor leagues of what this has done when they've, put, when they've implemented these changes to the minors. The most interesting thing that I heard, Dusty Baker was asked about the changes, and he said, well, the biggest problem I have right now is we know there's a lot of sign stealing. Well, when you know they're watching you, you give a flurry of signs. That takes time. He goes, we don't have time to give the signs anymore. He goes, you're going to be able to steal signs a lot easier because we're not going to have the time to give as many. We're going to have to figure out a new way to give signs. And Mark Buck Showalter, and now I find this interesting because these are two old school guys, right. obviously. Buck's mid-60s, Dusty's early 70s. But Buck Showalter said, don't be surprised if Major League Baseball teams start looking like college football sidelines. You know when they hold up the placards? Okay, you know, three, four, five different whatever. And obviously, their team knows which one's the indicator and the sign, but the other team doesn't. He goes, we may have to go to that. He goes, because otherwise, I don't know how we're going to relay the signs and disguise them as quickly as we need to do it. The only other thing, and I, I know it would cost a little bit of money, but if you can put one earpiece in a catcher's helmet, it would seem very simple to put that same technology in the batter's helmets and, and just make this simple. Hit and run. Bunt. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, it seems really, I don't need to watch a guy grab his crotch six times on third base when he can just simply say, hit and run. Now you'd have to give the base, you know, the guys. No, on every the every helmet deal. would have to have it. Okay, all right, and maybe that's what we go to. We get rid of signs. <laughs> you know, we just said bump fill, run the bomberuski. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean that's I, as you were going through that in the stealing signs. My initial thing was if we've got the technology in football and we're now doing it in baseball, where the catchers have the we can work with the pitchers as to what pitch to throw. Mm-hmm. I would think that they could put this in every helmet really easily. Well, hey, uh, the commissioner's the one driving this train. He's the one that ramrodded the pitch clock through, started in the minors. So that's what happened over the weekend in Florida and Arizona. The pitch clock made its way to Major League Baseball. And we had bases loaded, two outs, tie score, the 3-2 pitch. Wait a minute. There's a pitch clock violation. The batter's out. Holy cow, we go to extra innings. But it's spring training, so we don't. We'll just call it a tie. Exactly. Because if it was the regular season, a ghost runner would now be on second. And, of course, everybody said, could you imagine this happening at Yankee Stadium in October in the playoffs? <laughs> yes. <laughs> As a matter of fact, yes. So that, and apparently, C.J. Buckner hates the Cardinals manager so much he wouldn't even shake his hand 
pregame introduction. Nope, wouldn't shake his hand. And the manager went to explain just how classless he was and how much he right. didn't like his umpire skills before the game, and now he doesn't like him as a human being after the game. That should be the poll question, by the way. Last year, the manager of the Cardinals said publicly that C.J. Buckner should not be umpiring in the majors. That's how bad he is. Okay, so Buckner remembered. And when Marmol went to shake his hand before the spring training game, Buckner looked at him like, I ain't shaking your hand. Who's at fault? Who's at fault? The umpire. Really? Yeah. Really? You extend if your I hand, said you shake that his about hand. you, would you shake my hand? Yeah, I would. No, in that, in that would situation, not. in that situation, I most certainly would. No, you would not. Okay. Okay, I wouldn't. I'd What I would do is make it all... You know what? That's a perfect umpire move. Make it all about me. Because God forbid you just do your job. Miller and Moulton. Not shaking hands with anybody on the Florida Sports Network. You're listening to Miller and Moulton. Exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. 21 minutes past the hour, a lot of pressure on Felipe coming up over the course of these next few minutes. Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. He and he alone responsible for the Clutch Vodka play of the day. There were 117 buzzer beaters over the weekend in college basketball. There were even a few in the NBA. Never to mind clutch shot in golf to win a PGA tournament could throw in an XFL highlight I mean a lot a lot Mark. excuse me I just you know didn't know if you wanted to go football just didn't want to make sure I was paying attention weren't you <laughs> you know XFL week two was this past weekend who watched okay NASCAR week two was this weekend Okay, after Daytona, you know, they start with their Super Bowl. It all goes downhill from there. Who watched the race at Fontana yesterday? LIV, season opener. All the press that goes with it. Anybody watch any of it? Did get a texter, David, that sent the following. Watched all three days, all 54 holes of live. Wow. Then the next text we received. Seven minutes apart, unsolicited, because we have not talked a lot of live versus PGA. And may not do as much anymore because the ratings of live were so bad, it seemed that no one watched it. But the next text that comes says, blank the live. And congrats to the overpaid egotistical clowns that chase the dollars. And he goes on and hopes they give money to priests, but just cannot slam live golf enough. And... It has gotten to the point, even my mother in the last week, she made mention of what that tour is. Uh, she's, I'm not rooting for any of those guys. I don't like those guys. Wow. Mom doesn't like live golf. I mean, right. you know I spend a lot of time around people who golf and who watch a lot of golf. No one's relinquished their position on this. No. In fact, they've doubled down, if anything. And I did see, like I said, I was out to dinner last night early because uh, my wife and I are officially senior citizens eating early bird specials apparently these days. 
Nice. Oh, All we right. were out Welcome so early. I mean, it was basically dinner last night. It was a lunch dinner. It was so damn early. <laughs> but where we were at, they had it on. And it's the first time I'd seen the Live Golf on television. It's a really busy screen. And it looks a little exhibitionish. Looks less like a tournament and more like an exhibition. It's probably a little too casual. All right. And I don't know how many people sampled it at all. That first off, the guy, it was in Mexico. The weather was good. Guys wore shorts. Okay. Most golf fans, you know, that that's a college golf look wearing shorts. And I'm curious how people even reacted to seeing the guys in shorts. Then they all wore matching shirts because they've got this team golf thing. And the only time we see that is Ryder Cup. So I'm curious if that's even a good look. Okay. The other thing is, is that until Sunday, okay, LIV gets a few people to attend their tournaments on Sundays. They do. But Friday, Saturday, there's nobody there. It looks a lot like a DP World Tour event for those of us that have watched the European Tour early Saturday, Sunday mornings. I mean, there are 19 people at those tournaments, too. And I will say, head-to-head, Mark, you know, LIV, much better field. Right. Okay. Honda, you know, much better, much more compelling, a much a better product, if you will, on television. Not close even though it came down to Chris Kirk and Eric Cole. But they both had compelling stories, the significance of winning a PGA tournament versus winning an LIV tournament. You know, you win cash. Charles Howell wins cash right? in Mexico. That's it. Kirk's going to the Masters. Correct. And he's now in every tournament – imaginable for the next two years and it changed his life and it would have changed Eric Cole's life. And that was like his 12th PGA tournament. It would have dramatically changed his life. And it had drama because they were both playing. They were both having opportunities and both struggling coming down the stretch. It's hard to win. Right. And for these guys, even harder one with the drought that he's had. One's never won. And I have to admit, I first turned on LIV, okay, because bigger names. I'm interested in some of these guys. But they weren't anywhere near anything. And that's the other thing. The LIV does a shotgun start. So you're bouncing all around. You don't have the leaders grouped in the same group like you do on the PGA Tour. That can be a good watch, but it also can be a very bad watch. And mark all the things that the LIV needed. They needed their big guns to be at the top of the leaderboard. They needed it to be compelling. They didn't have any of that. Charles Howell won going away. Peter Uline was second. You know. It's one thing for two non-household names to be a part of it on the PGA Tour. But if Live Golf's going to have a chance, who who was it that finished in second? Peter who? Peter Uline. Yeah. Good, good player, too. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, I could argue better than Chris Kirk and Eric Cole, but 
Whatever. Certainly not better than our clutch vodka play of the day. Felipe, the pressure is on. Can you deliver? So much to choose from. I mean, there were game winners in the NBA. You know, there were uh, game-ending clock violations in baseball. But I summed it down to three buzzer beaters, all coming from college basketball. So first off, we're going to start off in Iowa, where Caitlin Clark, basically the Steph Curry of college basketball, with Iowa down two, hits this shot. My looking is Clark. She fires. So that's our first game winner. Same day, or no, that was Sunday. Same day, Desmond Cambridge, Arizona State, also down two, hits this shot. Bottle makes it, two-point lead, three seconds left, no timeouts. Neal inbounds, Desmond Cambridge. Oh, he got it! He won it! Arizona State has done it! That shot being a half-court heave, by the way. And then the last one comes from Cole Gables, where... Matthew Cleveland broke my hurricane heart. Miller for three for the lead. Got it! Final chance, Florida State, Worley. Cleveland for the win. It's good! Matthew Cleveland stuns Miami! There you have it. A triple clutch play of the day. All triples, by the way. Miami hits the three with five seconds to go after blowing a 25-point second-half lead to take the two-point lead. Florida State, no timeouts, has to go the length of the floor. 30-footer from Cleveland to win it. And that's our Clutch Vodka play of the day. Go to clutchspirits.com, hashtag all your drinks with Clutch Spirits online, and look for Clutch Vodka wherever you buy your liquor. It's Clutch with a K. The Arizona State three, by the way, they were right on the bubble. They're still on the bubble, but they needed that win to get in. And now they may be on the right side of the bubble heading into the final week of the Pac-12 season. They're now right there. Very bubblicious and bubble teams playing on another. You know, Shelby Mass had Michigan stays on the bubble as a first out, but took Wisconsin out of the tournament with their loss. The loss takes Wisconsin out, didn't even put Michigan in. This is what's going to be happening over the course of the next two weeks as we get into big conference tournament in the end of the regular season. Here on Miller and Moulton on the Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-two minutes before the hour, Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. Matt Baker, and I know he was on last week, but we didn't know that Friday there was going to be this big meeting in Tallahassee, presentation and everything. Florida State trying to figure out a way to. At the very least, blackmail the ACC, if not get the heck out of the ACC. So, talk to Matt Baker about that. May talk to Jeff Cameron, the voice of Tallahassee, tomorrow about it. Um, Listen, I'm about to say two things that you're probably going to 
take a four by four and just beat me about the head and chest. And I understand. I get it. Should we shake on it first? <laughs> that you're allowed to take the four by four and shake. That's one of the two things I'll bring it up. So we're hockey guys. We love the handshake line after the series, but we also, come on, admit it. We love when some series are just so nasty, so intense that as the two guys are skating up to one another in the handshake line, that the one guy just says to the other, keep going. Okay. Every now and then, you know, listen, you're a wings fan. Okay. One of the famous handshake lines Avs beat the Wings in that brutal Western Conference final in 96. Claude Lemieux with the cheap shot on Draper, busted his face. They're in the handshake line, and Dino Cicerelli ended up shaking Claude Lemieux's hand. And what was the only thing that Cicerelli could talk about after the game? Can't believe I shook that guy's hand. And he didn't say that guy. Right. And so if Cicerelli had not shaken his hand, Okay, you would have been okay with that, correct? Um, now that was I was a much younger guy. Yes, I, I okay. yes, I would have been fine with it. I was I, I had a little more attitude back then. I think it's safe to say, David. Okay, and that's fair. That's fair. We all had a little more attitude back in the day. Okay, that's fair. Now, you're Mark Miller, but in this case, all right, you are umpire C.J. Buckner. And I am David Moulton, but in this case, I am the Cardinals manager, Marmol. We get into it in a game last year. You eject me. That's fine. Okay. After the game, I publicly, not on the field, publicly say that Mark Miller sucks. He should not be in the majors. He's a terrible umpire. He is not a major league umpire. He's a joke. That's ridiculous. Eight months later, it's spring training. I come out to home plate. I extend my hand. I go, hey, Mark, how you doing? I don't know if he said any of that. You might have just extended your hand without saying anything. I'd shake That's your hand. True. I'd grip it as hard as I could and go, good luck getting calls today. <laughs> okay. So you would do the handshake, but it would be the blank you hand. Oh, 100%. Gotcha. Firm, hard, as hard a grip. I would try to grab it where I could actually hurt your hand a little bit. I wouldn't let go. When you're trying to pull back, I would still be shaking that hand and making sure we had eye contact. I hate those handshakes, too. Yeah, that would be my objective, to make sure you hated that handshake. Hate the soft handshake? Okay, you know who gives the dead fish intentionally? Joe Buck. It drives me nuts. If it ever happens to me, I'll try to squeeze his hand out. (laughs) And then, then there's the hard handshake. And some people are just, you know, they're just strong. That's their handshake. Mine's, I I have to admit, I'm a good, uh, nice, solid handshake, but it's not strong. Never had, never hurt anybody's hand. You know what, Mark? I shake hands like I hug. I'm a hugger. Broad shoulders. I'm a hugger. I'm a good hugger. I've been told that. I'm a good hugger. Okay, I'm good at wakes and funerals. I'm the I'm the person you want. I'm a hand, I'm good with the handshake. I'm a good hugger. So so you're saying because Mark, let me tell you, if the roles were reversed and you had done that publicly about me eight months earlier, and you come out and you go to shake my hand, I would have told you to 
off. Okay? No way I'm shaking your hand. Don't care. Don't care how it looks. Don't care. You publicly embarrassed me. Hell, you publicly slandered me. Okay? Shake my hand. Blank you. Shake my hand. No, I'm not shaking your hand. Uh Uh-uh. No. You're a better human than I am. Okay? Let's just establish that I don't know if that's necessarily true because I have nothing but vindiction on my mind as I'm shaking your hand. (laughs) And how I can get back at you and how I'm going to, any call that's close, you're not getting today, and I know that. Okay. Or do you shake his hand and go, listen, okay, when this when these games count in five weeks, I am sticking it to you, just so you know. But, all right, so that's the one thing. Okay. Here's the second thing. Can't believe I'm going to say this. Because you know it's damn near the bane of my existence in other sports. But I am wanting basketball to get into analytics when it comes to last-second three-pointers. I want a, I want a congressional study. I want it financed. In fact, this is the – forget Congress. It's the only thing I want the NCAA doing before we shut it down. I want you to finance a study about fouling and not fouling at the end of games. That's it. I want it done. It needs to be clear. We need numbers. We need evidence. We got the video evidence. Apparently, that's not enough. I want to prove, without a shadow of a doubt, that you need to foul at the end of games. And for us, you're not getting across half court. You're not. They shoot from too far out. You're not taking a chance of fouling someone and them getting three free throws. What David and I are proponents of is fouling damn near when you cross half court. Yes. For instance, the Michigan game yesterday, Michigan-Wisconsin, and it was a hell of a play by Michigan's big man. He kind of tipped it to himself on a pass and – and knock down the three to send it. Hunter, Hunter Dickinson, yeah. 30-footer, too. I yeah, mean, I mean uh, NBA play. three. Now, yeah. now, if the defender decides to make no effort to go for that ball and let him catch it and hit his arm and put him at the line, I think Wisconsin wins that game in regulation. Well, yeah. I mean, Dickinson goes to the line. He hits the free throw. There's a second or so left. And then we all know what has to happen. They have to intentionally miss. Okay, you figure best case scenario, they may get a tip in to tie it. Think about what they have to do. Hit a free throw, miss a free throw, get a tip. Okay, that's just a tie as opposed to catch the ball, turn around, hit a shot. I'm sorry. I want them to do three things instead of one. And yes, we, we, we know, we know they're kids. They can screw it up. I mean, John Calipari instructed his Memphis team to foul Kansas up three at the end of regulation of the national championship game. They screwed it up. They didn't foul them. Chalmers hit the three. Kansas won in overtime. They're kids. They screw things up. We but it would it. be something that this would be to us I think you're with me on this, David. This would be the final five minutes of practice before we start shooting free throws. We are going to practice fouling. Yeah. Because I don't want there to be any mistakes when we get to the end of the game. And if if I would have saw that Michigan game or my video guys to say, need to show you the end of this Michigan-Wisconsin game, showing my team that. And we're going to defend it. Here's how we would defend it in that situation. Yeah. FGCU women, you and I follow them. That 
only loss they've had in the last three months. They were up three late, missed a free throw. Player comes down. They was instructed to foul. Okay? It, on the switch. Got lost. Wide open. Hits a three. Losing overtime. It happens. Even, even when coaches instruct the foul. It, it happens. We know. But, yes, late game situations. They practice inbounding whether on offense or defense. Well, I, we would practice fouling. When do you foul? The first dribble after half court. Up, 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 dribble, bang. Absolutely. Nobody's hoisting up a shot unless they're Trey Young from 44 feet. They're not. We're fouling. When Michigan was inbounding the ball with 2.1 seconds to go, okay, when Dickinson caught it, we would have fouled them. In fact, I don't even know if we let him catch it. We might have just fouled him when he was going up in the air to catch it. We might have fouled him. Might have treated him as if he's a wide receiver and we were a DB. He's not shooting a three. Why? Because we're up three. Now, I will say, there's all these little things that Arizona, Arizona State, we played the clip for you 20 minutes ago. Kid for Arizona State hit a 55-footer to win it. Partly why? Arizona's up one shooting two free throws. Guy misses the first. 2.9 seconds to go. Well, don't make the second. Whatever you do, don't make the second. I mean, they're not getting a two-point shot in 2.9 seconds. They're hoisting up a three from somewhere. So whether you're up one or up two, it doesn't matter. So now what are you trying to do? You're trying to make the three-point shot as difficult as possible. Don't let them inbound the ball and run the baseline to do run a play. You want to miss the free throw. They don't have any timeouts left. They got to grab the rebound, turn, hand it to somebody 90 feet away. The clock's already running. They'll take one dribble. They'll throw up a three-quarter court shot. What did Arizona do? They made the free throw. Arizona State could inbound the ball. Guy was able to take two dribbles, get to near half court, throw up a 55-footer instead of 75-footer. Now, the odds are he's not going to make it. But, I mean, but the, t- the time $2 million. Right, the time that you're going to take to get that ball off the glass, make an outlet pass, and get a shot off is much more difficult than inbounding the ball. It is. Right? Coach is making $2 million. I mean, come on now. I'm a Yahoo sitting in my living room in Jacksonville. I know you're not supposed to make this free throw. The announcer's saying you're better off missing this free throw. I mean, come on now. I will say, if anybody watches the clip again, the one Arizona assistant is yelling at the head coach, I told you to miss the free throw. You can see it. Let me tell you, if I'm the head coach, that is not the time to be pointing out my mistake. No, it really isn't. No, It's going to make for an ugly meeting. Right. Senior day, the whole deal to arch rivals. We lost on a 55-footer at the buzzer, and you're telling me what I did wrong. I am the boss. Right? And I can replace you. Correct. Get another one look just like you. Golly. But that's this is what I want the NCAA to do, Mark. I want them to add um, scholarships to baseball and softball, coaches to baseball and softball, and I want um, I want them to finance a study about the three-point shots in the last 10 seconds of games. 
And I know what coaches say. Well, you can't do it when, you know, if you still have five seconds. You know what? You can do it with five seconds. You can. I'm sorry. Do you know what has to play out from here? Well, you know, that means they could have enough time to get another shot. Once again, we're up three. What's the one thing they're not getting? They're not getting a three. I don't know. It seems easy. Golly. And and coaches love to do what, though? They love to defend. I mean, that's the other side of this. College coaches believe that they can defend – and we've talked about it too. You, the number of points you need to win an NCAA tournament most of the time, you got to average 75. But these coaches think that defense, 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 and they teach to stop instead of to foul. There's so and many let, that live by that rule. You can't defend a play any better than Wisconsin defended the end of the game against Michigan. The guy who was guarding Dickinson contested the inbound. First off, they guarded the inbounder made the throw really difficult. He has to throw the ball from the baseline to 30 feet away from the basket. Okay? A guy goes up with the big fella, challenges just the catch, gets a piece of it. Dickinson finds the ball on a dribble, turns around, another Wisconsin guy is flying right at him to contest the three. He hits the 30-footer. We go to overtime. You literally could not defend that any harder. Than Wisconsin did. <laughs> you know what's an easier way to defend it? Foul him! Force him to go to the line. Make one. It, you know, that's the other side. You have to make one and then miss one. The art of that is not easy. No. Then it's got to bounce to your guy in order to get the tip in back. Right. And they know, by the way, you're playing for the miss. In theory, they've practiced against this. I love hearing I mean, Jeff Van Gundy talk about it every time it comes up. I Listen, I, I'll say Dick Vitale's been a foul guy forever. Forever. Going all the way back to Valvano in 83. He's been a foul guy. Ugh. <sighs> So I want to finance the study. If could the NCAA do something useful? Okay, a few more coaches and scholarships in baseball and softball—that'd be great. Okay, but could you finance the damn analytics study about foul or let them shoot the three at the end of the game? Okay, that's actually something we want to know. Matt Baker next. <laughs> 